0: Hey, it's Balalbakani at Balalb87 on Twitter, and AW Dynamite is still rough around the edges, but getting better. We'll talk about Cody's big announcement, which is kind of stupid, and we had the final third of the tag team title match that was otherwise a rematch, and I'll kind of explain why I'm not still thrilled with AW like most people seem to be, or at least most people who want to bash me on social media. But let's get to it. You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. So we started out with the same lame mini-pyro, nothing new there, and the commentary team. We were kicking it off with Trent along with, uh, I believe it's Chuck Taylor. I still don't really know who his tag team partner is because that guy gets no shout-outs. And Orange Cassidy, Cassidy, although if you're going by Justin Roberts' announcement, it was just Trent Beretta out here taking on Pack. Although during Pac's entrance, we sort of realized there is no roof on their entrance tunnel, and that was not a good thing to learn. At one point in this match, Orange Cassidy got in the ring while uh, Chuck, again, I'm saying Taylor, caused a distraction. He did his light kicks, which are kind of funny. But eventually, Pac just kind of kicked him in the face. Not a bad spot, but I don't really accomplish much. And it kind of made me wonder, why is Orange Cassidy even a part of this team? Does he owe these guys a Wookiee life debt? Because that would be better than the the non-story I got right now. Anyways, the match moved to the outside, and there was a big flip from Trent Beretta that was followed up by him throwing Pack into a series of chairs. And this got the most unwarranted this is awesome chant I can ever remember. And there was way, way, way too many of those. But that was that. And then when Pack hit the black arrow, the referee just stopped counting at two because I think Pack was supposed to pull up off the pin when he did it too late. And the ref just stopped, and I rewound that three times, and that's the only way I can think—the only thing that makes any sense to me. So, and then he hit the rings of Saturn, I guess, to rub in the victory. But why not just hit the rings of Saturn? Why even do the pinfall? I, I, I don't—I don't know. He would have won anyways, and of course he did. So pack gets the win. After the after the match, he grabbed the mic. Cut a promo on Hangman. But it made me realize, how is Hangman in the main event and Pac is in the opening match? It just seemed weird to me. And Pac said something about making an example out of him. But again, if you're in the opener and you're going up against a guy in the main card uh, or the main event, you're probably going to be the example. We then got another bizarre pitcher-in-pitcher which had a bunch of post-match nothing, which I guess is kind of understandable. We had Cody backstage again meeting with people from earlier today, which was a weird pantomime of, I don't know, fan shots, way too much of those. We had all the tag teams to be part of the next match warming up. But let me just say, there's a reason why we don't see this stuff in WWE. And when you see teams warm up, you have the commentators to give context, or you have a live mic so you can hear these guys. To just get these weird shots as B-roll, it's not how you do pitcher and pitcher. Pitcher and pitcher, the only way it makes sense to me in wrestling is during a submission hold, uh, early in the match, something like that. Like, this fan cam garbage, there's no point. That's that's not adding anything to the broadcast. And if you're streaming it on 5TV, it just seems so unnatural when you have this picture-in-picture picture at certain times and not at other times. And those are the times where you can rely in the arena on those shots. But in this case, I would just just do do it around action. Or just do it as reaction shots. I don't know. This is a weird mismatch. They don't seem to know what they want to do with this. When we did finally come back, and these make the commercial breaks actually seem longer, because I pay attention to them, we had Triple H. I mean, Cody Rhodes. I get confused sometimes. He was in his hometown, And he came to talk to his best friend, Tony Schiavone, in the ring because that's totally natural for a commentator and the owner of a company to meet in the ring and have a discussion. More natural than in a limousine or a plane, I'll tell you that. But nevertheless, apparently, Cody made this argument that the elite had been searching for a group to go off against them. It's weird how a line from the the meeting he had with Tony Khan made it into this promo. But anyways, they had found that group. And he listed off a bunch of wrestlers, none of which I can remember because they seemed very unimportant except for his father, who were also managers, although what the word manager means in relation to his role with the company I think is arguable. But he tried to equate it, and his big announcement was if he doesn't defeat Jericho, he won't challenge for the title again. So yeah, Cody Rhodes is going to win this title. There is no way Cody Rhodes has this match and doesn't win this title, and This stipulation is stupid. It could have just been, I'm not going to challenge for the title as long as Jericho has it. That would have been reasonable. And it would have given Jericho a nice motivation of, well, I can keep Cody out as long as I have this title. As opposed to, you know, oh, I win this and he magically will. Which just doesn't seem sustainable at this point in Cody's career. Anyways, he ripped Jericho a bit and then he swore so much. I don't even know what he said. It was just sloppy. And he went on about his 14-year journey, and at which point I'm just, I am just—I would rather hear Kofi Kingston talk about his journey with much less privilege and with real barriers to overcome. Um, this just didn't do it for me. I know Cody's way over, but come on, he's in his hometown. This is his company. It's a new company. The hardcores are all over him. If you said Cody on the street, they'd think you're talking about Zach and Cody. This guy is big in a bubble. He is not big in the grander scheme of things. You know, The Rock is the biggest star in Hollywood. Cody Rose is the biggest star in AEW. End of discussion. We also found out that Chris Jericho will be part of TNT's, uh, their halftime show on Inside the NBA. This is a big deal, and I would enjoy it, because I bet you the next time AEW wants to do this, the, the basketball guys will say no. This is going to happen once, and it's probably not going to happen again. So enjoy it while you can. We also, during another Pitcher and Pitcher, because I didn't have enough of that, we got Cody walking to the back. The Lucha Bros came out and joined the Spanish announce team. And then we came back to watch the SCU join the English announce team, which, okay. Um, we then had a private party. They were taking on um, the Dark Order. I was almost going to write the some sort of sexual joke, but I'll leave that. And the winner of this would face SCU and Lucha Bros in a tag team triple threat at full gear because, you know, rematches aren't cool anymore, so let's just throw in a third team to crush and take the pinfall. Obviously, Private Party won. I I never for a second believed the Dark Order could win. I would have rather seen Jurassic uh, Park or Jurassic Express or some other team. Even the best friends, I think, would have been better in this spot. Uh, The Dark Order has just sort of come across as this weird team that it's, it's difficult to be invested in them as they have a lot of human props and it's confusing and weird and it brings up other feelings in me, in me I don't want to talk about. But anyways, as soon as we got to the replays of this match, as soon as those were done, automatically the Lucha Bros and SCU were in the ring posing and they didn't really get microphones or say anything, I don't think, or I can't remember. It was too quick for them to get in the ring and then they really spent no time on it. We then cut to maybe the best thing I've seen in AEW, no, definitely the best thing I've seen in AEW on television. Chris Jericho did a parody of Cody's weird, weird video, and I, I like this because I think AEW recognized how crappy that was and they, and they could have some fun with it. Or maybe they just wanted to have fun with it, and they thought it was great. Fine. And instead of Jericho being there with his wife, it was Sammy Cavera trying to help him pick out the bubbly, which was great. We then got some of Soul Train Jones uh, talking about this. Although the fans were still chanting SCU, which showed you how poor a job they did into segueing into this. Either you cut the fan mics or you do something to let them know they should be paying attention to the screen and they're not chanting something else. Um, And it's a shame because this video was better than the match that just happened. We heard from Santana Ortiz, which I could have done without, but the star of this bit... What was Chris's aunt's friend from church who parodied Cody's mother? She had a great line later where she said Jericho was going to beat the S out of Cody. That was amazing. We also got Sammy Guevara uh, calling Jericho the youngest champion in AEW history, which is technically correct at 40, whatever he is, 47, 46. That was awesome. Uh, Jack Hager also had some good bits where they went to him and he said nothing. They did this too much. They kind of spoiled it. But as a one or two off or three off, and I think they did four times, probably two times was the right amount of times to do this. And uh, Soul Train also said that Jericho's talent was like the Olive Garden breadsticks unlimited. This was pretty good. You know, this was something as a bit with Cody. It didn't really work beyond DDP. But Jericho parodying the bit worked amazingly. This was very good. Jericho also talked and said he only had one thing on his mind, and that was finding a bit of the bubbly, which I also quite enjoyed. Uh, more of this. Like, none of this box crap, whatever. Like, give me this. Don't make these video packages exclusive to the Elite and Cody Rhodes. Let other characters use this medium to get themselves over or just tell their stories. I can't believe it's taking this long to figure this out, but this was good. Uh, and the Britt Baker one doesn't count because it's bad. Jamie Hader the poor women's page and Ibi Shakira Sakura I'm having trouble with her name because they didn't set her up correctly who was dressed up as Freddie Mercury for I, I still don't know what reason took on Shana Shana who's and I had I, I didn't quite put my finger on this last week but she's Portugal's perfect athlete but she's built from France make up your damn mind either you're built from France or you're Portugal's Perfect athlete, you just can't be both. I just simplicity, you know, less is more. Either you're, you know, the 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 French, you know, wrestler, or you're the Portuguese perfect athlete. You don't need both, and you're living in the states anyways. So I don't, yeah. I just I can't believe no one put pulled her aside and said, listen, which one of these do you want to be? Or hey, you're. Portugal's perfect athlete. Let's not muck it up from, by telling people you're from France. Like, I, I just... Why? You you have writers. I assume you have writers. Use them. Or maybe Shana has full editorial to t- control. I don't know. She was teaming up with Rhino. I mean, Riho. <laughs> and they reminded us once again that she's 98 pounds. And later on that she's been wrestling for 13 years. Even though she's like 19, which is ridiculous. You know, it's like me saying I'm a 30-year... Con- Confi- I don't know. I just- I just can't. Um, the only new caveat we learned about the women's champion was about her smile, which was basically sexist. You wouldn't hear a male superstar being complimented on their smile. This was sexist, and I'm very disappointed. Anyways, we found out during this match, because it sure as hell wasn't clear before, uh, at least to me, that- smiling rio because that's what we want to learn about her this week it's the only new piece of information we have about your women women's champion will be facing her mentor imi sakura i think i got that right that time but that build wasn't that great through this match because they started the match against each other it wasn't jamie Hayter starting the match against shayna and then gradually one tags in the partner, one tags in the other partner, and then we build to this, no, it just started that way, which maybe you don't have to start it with the both opposite sides. Maybe Riho wants to start, and Sakura, being the veteran, doesn't want to start. She wants to throw Jamie out there to weaken up the stronger part of the team. Like, I just, it's a little too basic, you know? I just, I don't know. It didn't work for me. They did another pitcher and pitcher um, although they did do it with a submission, which I thought would be good, but they're so impatient and puulant at Aew that it started with EB uh, I- 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 Sakura having a submission. And then during the picture in picture she tagged out and Jamie applied a submission. So if you didn't pay attention to that little tiny box, you were watching one woman hit a submission and when you came back, a newly legal woman had a submission on it. And the commentary, could have done a better job explaining this. And after all that, it ended on some roll-up baloney. Emo Shakura won the match, which I do like the idea of her winning. But man, this was not satisfying at all. And I was quite disappointed. We then went straight to Brandy Rose. I don't even think we got replays of this match. Uh, she had her promo. And, you know, everybody had thought. She sort of said because of Cody that she had power and she sort of pushed off this notion of running the women's division, which raises the question, who is running this division? Because they could use an authority figure or at least some sense of direction after that last match, especially. Uh, we got flashes of karma, and it basically built to her saying, who are the bullies now? Which is a pretty terrible message. Bullying is not a joke. Um, to go from, our women's champion is so great, she smiles, to bullies? Bullies? These were terrible messages. I'm sorry. This was bad storytelling. Like, if Brandi Rhodes had come out there and, and maybe she had just said, you know, me and Karma have been forgotten. Everybody thinks I'm just Cody's wife, but I'm here to make a difference and me and Karma are going to, you know, we're going to take it to the top and we're going to destroy this women's division. Fine. I need a good definable hero. Good. But don't say you're the bullies, because some poor kid's gonna see that and be like, "I'm the bully too. I'm gonna go punch some poor guy and a girl in the, or whatever in the face tomorrow." That is not that is an irresponsible message, and is very just. Especially you've seen how well WWE has done the Be a Star anti-bullying program. I know your competition, but I think we can agree bullying is bad and is not something that should be uh, part of a narrative for wrestling. I think we should be above that in 2019, uh, and probably above saying, oh, our women's champion smile is so great, and that's the only new information we've learned about her in five weeks. Do some homework, for Pete's sake. We then had Brandon Cutler, who's 2-0, or 0-2, I should say. So you knew he was going to lose. He didn't even get a proper entrance. He was facing Ty Dillinger. Oh, I mean Sean Spears. Sorry about that. With Tully Blanchard, who I guess is enough of a legend that Justin Roberts actually acknowledged that he was part of this, at least being ringside. Dillinger got the win. I don't even remember what happened in this match, because it was obviously a squash match. Joey Janela ran out to extend I guess his rivalry with Spears, which I don't even remember what it's about. And this episode of AW Dynamite did nothing to tell me. And you know, I will probably never think of this match again, and there's nothing to say about it. We then got a promo from Dean Ambrose. Oh, I'm sorry, John Moxley. It's almost like AW does a worse job establishing characters and names. And it was setting up his lights out match with Kenny Omega. And from there, we basically just went into Hangman Page's match with Kenny Omega, teaming up against Sammy Guevara, who did the Tyler Breeze selfie video feed thing and, again, told us he's number one in the world. Mate, you're not number one in your damn stable, which he was teaming with Chris Jericho. But this notion that Sammy Guevara is the best is is so stupid. Like, along with the Young Bucks, along with the other person who I forget who says he's the best. Oh, yeah, Santana and Ortiz. You know, you, you got a stable of people... The three worst people in that stable think they're the best. How stupid is that? Anyways, Jack Hager, who is one of the best people in that stable, unlike the other two three people, uh, he was there. He got involved in the match. Uh, we had a picture-in-picture that featured a Samoan drop, two near falls, and a clothesline. They're never going to figure this out. Like, it's so simple. Do commercial breaks on rest holes or B-roll that doesn't involve talking? Like... This is stuff I would teach a student in a first-year television course that was involving live sports. How do you not get this, AEW? Ugh. Anyways. Of course, Pac got involved because otherwise, there'd be no build to their match aside from whatever that promo was on the other end of the show. So, Jericho got the win after that. They sort of attacked after, but it was obvious they were waiting for people to come out. MJF came out. He attacked Jericho and... I think it was Swagger on the ramp. Sammy Guevara just disappeared at this point. And Jericho was thrown into the ring to Cody, who beat him up. Um, he held the belt up high. But that wasn't enough. Jon Moxley came out with a barbed wire bat. Kenny Omega then had a barbed wire broom for some reason. Cody and Jericho started to fight again. MJF got involved again, waited to hit Swagger. Omega... Oh, sorry. Then Omega pulled out the barbed wire broom. That it not matter when it happened. Ortiz and Santana then disarmed them for no reason at all, aside from the fact they were bored. The Young Bucks then came out and super kicked them, which actually made sense. They did a pretty sloppy suicide di- couple of suicide dives here. Omega then saved one of the Young Bucks, I guess, to return the favor from a double bomb on the stage. Moxley then saved Omega from those guys as well, which made no sense, uh, before attacking them. And then everybody lined up on the stage as Nick, I forget his last name, Jackson... From the Young Bucks did a flip off the stage... Which doesn't have a roof as we learned earlier. The teams lined up... um, Once again. And Sammy Guevara forgot to line up for this part. And they sort of just ran at each other. And that was the end of AEW Dynamite. Oh god. So that was that. Look, I I, I like the Jericho promo. But that was about it. I'm going to be honest. That was about it. I don't care about the majority of this roster... The commentary is driving me insane. Tony Schiavone cannot be further up AJ's or sorry up Cody's ass if you tried, and that's kind of where I am at AEW with AEW Dynamite. I will not be ordering full gear because there's no way in hell I'm spending a dollar on these guys. I watched AEW Dark the other night, not impressed, and I actually stopped watching at the 40 minute mark when Cody Rhodes figured I'll just be an interviewer. To- no, that's enough. I'm Balabacani. You can tweet me at BilalV87 on Twitter. I'll be back on Friday for the A-show of all of wrestling, SmackDown, and we'll see what's happening there. Peace. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.